episode 44 of This Developing Story. Hey guys, Brian here. Um, we have a really good episode. This episode is actually going to be a ex-co-worker of mine at this point when I'm recording this. His last week was last week, and this last week is when we recorded this. And uh, I thought it'd be pretty uh, nice to have like an impromptu uh, podcast episode. So uh, me and my co-worker, Christian Slinsker, sat down and talked about how he started a block. Um, he was here for a long three years, and uh, he had some pretty good insight to with, with how that happened and also... Um, this JavaScript as a whole, um, and even com- not computer science, but programming as a whole too, um, and where it's heading. Um, I really liked our conversation. Um, I have recently been working on a project with him up until the point he left, and have been enjoyed working with him so closely because he not only has block experience, he has like ten years of experience in programming. So it's probably the most senior engineer I've actually been able to pair with on a pro uh, a-, a project. So. Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Well, normally when I go into this, I say I like I work at Block, but uh, after the day, this is my second to last day here, so yeah. Uh, uh, should I start over? Like, my name's Christian. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you uh, get into web? Per se, did you? You went to college, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, I went to Purdue University. Boiler up. Uh, <laughs> and I went to uh, Computer Graphics Technology. Was the name of the program. It was kind of a, a hybrid design technology type type of program. I actually wanted to be a uh, graphic designer. Is what I was going for. Uh, I had never done programming before that. It always like seemed like it would be it, it always seemed kind of like mysterious and hard like i'd never actually tried it even i just just seemed like something i wouldn't be into and then uh like i had an html class freshman year and it just kind of like hooked into me like that it was just really interesting like the the thing about graphic design is you start and you have an empty page and you just have to go from there and that's yeah. like so your undergrad didn't have any computer science in it at all? Uh, no, it had had uh, had programming classes. I never had a traditional like what you think of it as computer science. Um, we didn't uh, make any processors or design our own computer or anything. I never did any assembly or anything like that. It was more like uh, individual classes and specific like techniques. Like there was web programming and. Uh, some VB scripting and some database classes and uh, things like that. Okay, so not as in depth, but you still got the the, the hands on knowledge, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's more. Uh, everything was uh, built around like the specific goal of like uh, you would have to design and create a website or something like that, okay. and you were like doing the whole thing, uh, which was kind of beneficial. Okay. And was this, how long was that program, I guess, and as a, as a longstanding program, it's been around for a while or is that like a new concept? Yeah, I think it's been around in, in some form for a while. It, um, it grew out of like the engineering program and it was, 
it's got it's it's got like um a weird mix of like cad and architectural graphics and like multimedia usually people will like sort of pick one of those things and go into it a lot of my classmates ended up going into like game design and stuff like that and 3d animation it's kind of kind of like uh uh that was like one of the popular tracks and and i went into like multimedia is was what my specialty was yeah Yeah, because the program sounds like something like full sail is like what's pretty big where i'm from in orlando Mm -hmm. um Full sale is more of like a uh, certificate or actually get a degree, but it's not like a full fledged university, yeah. but their program sounds a lot similar. Like you would get like, if you want to focus on good graphics, um, that's someplace that a lot of people go to and you can do a lot of web and I know flash and action script is really. Big. Yeah. 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 There was a, I did a bunch of flash and action script classes. And okay. That, that came in handy. Not <laughs> yeah. Probably as soon as you learned it, then that's when, Apple said no more flash. It was actually at the time. It was like at, at the exact same time. It, the, the writing was a, kind of on the wall, uh, but it was always sort of assumed that you would use flash as a animation tool rather than like a platform for making a website. Yeah. And that's kind of the approach we took to it. Um, and we made like, like cartoons and stuff like that in yeah. flash which was fun. Cool. Well, I was going to, I was going to enter you um, prior to actually the interview starting. So we're going to have a cold start, but um, for those who aren't aware, if I, hopefully I get the interview correctly. Um, I did usually do the interviews after the fact before I put the episode out, but you currently work at block and you currently work for block for the next two days. But I kind of wanted to find out how did you connect to block Okay, so this is a long story. Um, we got time. Cool. <laughs> uh, I was uh, living in Indiana at the time, and someone gave me an invite for this thing called the Startup Bus. And it was like the second year it was running, uh, and it was a uh, it's like a hackathon on a bus that goes from that went from Chicago to South by Southwest. And you had like two days to make something, uh, form a team and make something. And then like you would present it at South by Southwest. And uh, it was an, it was a fun journey through the middle of nowhere with very spotty Wi-Fi and cell reception. But uh, luckily we were making an iOS app and all the, the docs were like already downloaded. And yeah. you don't... <laughs> that, that was the nice thing about iOS development is that... It's you... a nice thing about Xcode. Yeah, yeah. Everything is right there. You don't... <laughs> I mean, it sucks like not having like third-party libraries like CocoaPods wasn't even that, that big at the time. Like, but it, it is nice that everything you need is on your computer already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, on the bus, I met uh, Roshan, who's the CEO of Block now. He wasn't at the time. Uh, and then uh, was it three years ago almost? Uh, I met met him again. Ran into him again at a the Heroku conference in San Francisco, the Waza conference. Uh, and I was like looking for a job at the time and they were hiring. And then that's like when we uh, like reconnected and that's when I started block. Cool. And you were, were you the first energy engineer hire here at block? Uh, or? Yes. I was engineer number one. Wow. Nice. Were you like employee number like single digits or. Uh, I think it was technically employee number two. Uh, there was like one before me. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, number two. Well, well, that's so early on. yeah, there's like four people in the whole company, like at the time, it's like uh, three founders and uh, one other employee who was remote. So there's a small office of four people. And at that time, so I'm trying to get an idea of like the timeline. So was this pre like the new block iteration where it was outside of the actual console to like exercises and you actually had a whole curriculum to go through or? Um, no, when I joined, there was still uh, in browser exercises. Yeah. Uh, the, those had already been built. Uh, and, uh, but it was, it was the one course. It was just a rails course. Yeah. And, uh, I did some early work on that stuff, uh, but it, it was already built. I basically, um, an early project was extending that code uh, evaluation it, to make it support the Ruby Warrior library. And then when we were making Ruby Warrior. Oh, cool. And Ruby Warrior was your first like big project? Yeah, I'd say so. I think there was a, a few uh, other. Well, actually, <laughs> on some on my first day, I took down the site, which is <laughs> so, yeah, it's like not something you want to do on the first day. It was like I was trying to add like um, Redis or something, and it was already there. And it it, it <laughs> fun tip that if you already have a Heroku add-on and you try to add it, it it kills the current add-on, or at least it did at the time. Hopefully they fixed it by now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're a little mature, more mature than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I another thing I was working on was just like adding a whole bunch of automated tests because uh, there wasn't any at the time. And then um, shortly after that, it was like Ruby Warrior for like a month. Wow. And then that was like, uh, there was some sleepless nights there. Because like it wasn't supposed to take a month. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what? What made Block want to like redo Ruby Warrior? Um. Well, I think it came out of the idea that we we built this sort of like in browser code evaluation tool uh, for evaluating Ruby code, and we wanted to like see if we could repurpose that for something else, and. Uh, and and that was like sort of the idea behind it. It was see if we could like uh, make a a fun product to spread awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I I signed up for Block, but I think I found out about Ruby Warrior after I signed up for Block. So I'm not sure if I was aware of it prior to Block because I found out about like I found out about Block within like a month of finding out I signed up mm-hmm. and like had started. So I don't know if I if I was really aware of it before then, but uh, yeah, I, I I guess it wasn't as successful as we were hoping, but yeah. it didn't spread everywhere. I mean, uh, one of my like uh, sort of personal success mes- metrics for it was like I, I would I would be happy if it showed up on like uh, like some podcast, yeah, and it, like it and I made it on Ruby Five and and Ruby Rogues as some picks and okay, uh, my my. Uh, the other big goal was to have Ryan Bates, the original author of the library, like tweet about it. But uh, that right when we released it, he had quit the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like a week before. <laughs> that was. If it didn't take a month, hopefully he would have saw it. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or maybe it would have stopped him from quitting. I don't know. <laughs> so trailing back. So 
you mentioned I, we talked about how you got connected to the block, but how did you end up in San Francisco, Dan? If you're already here, and then you ran into Russian again. So I, uh, someone else I met on that bus actually uh, was living in San Francisco, uh, and they uh, recommended me to a company to do an iOS project. And that's when I that company was called uh, Pinch It, uh, and at the time it was a uh, a daily deal style company, okay. kind of like Groupon. Uh, and, uh, they introduced me to, uh, pinch it to build their iOS app. And that's how I moved out here. Okay. And I worked there for a couple of years. And then after that, I joined block. Cool. So you've, you've literally worked in two different companies since you've been in San Francisco. Yes. So you're leaving block, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention your, what company you're going to. So I'm going to, uh, be joining Bugsnag. Um, Starting next week? Starting next week, yes. And, and what's your role, role going to be? I'm a senior JavaScript developer. Um, so uh, I guess you could say I'm also uh, not, I'm sort of sort of leaving RubyLand in, in a way and becoming just a JavaScript developer. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not too much of a bad thing because JavaScript's still kind of exciting. And uh, I feel like I do more JavaScript today than I do Ruby. I think, I think that might become a trend for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, there's just... Uh, increasing num- amount of JavaScript work and like JavaScript is more heavily involved in almost all projects now. Yeah. I think uh, as soon as I graduated from Rails two years ago for the block Rails course, I think while I was in it, they had people who came out actually before I even got out of it, Ember and Angular were around like kind of, I guess the, the two competing frameworks at the time. I know Backbone was also big too. It was pretty, pretty established at that time also. So it was basically learn rails and then as soon as i learned rails everybody was saying oh you should learn a javascript framework so i kind of just eased right into that yeah. Yeah. so it was kind of a natural transition for me but i know now our curriculum is pretty focused on a uh, full stack which is you learn angular in the front end so yeah yeah, yeah and, and uh before that it was backbone that, yeah that's what it was when i was at pinch it and we were building the the sort of newest iteration of that and it was a rails and backbone app and uh i still kind of miss backbone do you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was a it was a very sort of good small subset of just what you needed. Uh, I think it's it was it was limited in a lot of ways, but um, sort of the way they designed the API for it was uh, made a lot of sense. Okay, uh, and it's it's like uh, we, we've been doing a lot of React lately and that it's very similar to that sort of structure of doing things uh in a lot of ways but uh i I think that's like anybody who's still doing backbone is starting to like just drop react on top of it and still sort of like going with that same structure i've seen a few backbone apps and it seems pretty realistic to if you're not if you're not like it's like crazy backbone land where you have like super nested like files and structures and stuff like that um i think it's pretty doable to yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, I mean, it's just like React where it's, uh, you have a view and it, like in React, you'd call it a component, Backbone, you call it a view and it has a render method. And that render method has to end up with some DOM. And that's, okay. that's so there's sort of like uh, the same sort of model or of thinking about how you structure an application. So is Backbone kind of like jQuery, but with more structure? Um. You know, usually you have jQuery as part of 
a backbone app or something like that. It's just that, uh, backbone is like, um, uh, it's like a, a MVC, a light MVC framework for uh, structuring JavaScript apps. And then inside, like, uh, inside the, the views that you're making, you'd probably be using jQuery, uh, to actually do things or you, Maybe you're not. Maybe you're using React to render there, but it's 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 sort of like up to you how how you want the the view to happen. It's been a while. It's been like like three years since I've done any backbone stuff, yeah. but that's like how it how it worked when I remember. So, would you say that backbone could be like the backbone of your app? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the idea. Is, is that, that what you were going for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like the like a very small like API. It's just the bare bone like. Just have this and you'll get uh, 90% of the way there to begin with for like a simple application of just like simple structure. Uh, and I, I feel like um, like React is kind of like missing that piece a little bit of like, uh, how do you do the data layer? It's like, well, there's lots of ways. <laughs> that's That's very true. But I, th- I think I think React's getting everybody's pointing towards one way. Yeah. Not not that every like one way is like the right way, but people are pointing towards like the the single way. Like it's either Redux or it's something that's very close to Redux. It's very true. Uh, there, the community sort of decided on a set of like principles for how to do it. Yeah. But there's still no like unified implementation, so to speak. Yeah. So if you're starting a new app. You just have to figure out what's out there and plug a bunch of pieces together. Yeah, pretty pretty much. That's that's sort of how it works. And in a lot of ways, that's in some ways that's a benefit. That uh, I guess you, it's sort of like the entire community has sort of like broken down the problem into from a monolith problem into a bunch of little pieces, and I've been like working on those little pieces and making those individual pieces like really good, but. Uh, there's no sort of, or at least not yet. There's no like good, uh, like unified. Hey, just inst- run this command and you have an app set up. Yeah, um, with like sort of best practices involved, like basically like generators where like Rails has pretty good generators. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, you know, Rails, Rails is a good example where you just say like Rails new and like yeah, but you're ready to start building your app. Yeah, uh, that when you have like a bunch of small flexible tools. Uh, you have to like sort of make a bunch of little decisions uh, every time you try to set something up and that can be uh, overwhelming a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I I found that myself. So with your, like, I guess five plus years of experience in web, is that correct? Uh, I'd say it's more like 10. 10. Okay. Well, (laughs) your 10 years experience, I'll ask you, I'm going to ask you a question because I get this question asked all the time and, I have like two years experience. So I don't know the answer to this, but where would you put your money if you had to make a bet on te- uh, certain technologies, languages, and frameworks, mm. where would you put your money towards mm. with all the different options out there? So if you were to start a new project next week, um, actually not next week, six months from now, what okay. would you choose? Like, where do I, what do I think is going to win? Yeah, or? exactly. Like the, as far as the popularity contest, not that's going to be the best way, but what do you think? Stuff? Um, I don't think anything's going to win. 
No. no. <laughs> I think something else is going to come out like in a, a couple months. Swift 3 is going to come out and everybody's going to be making Swift frameworks. Yeah, I think it's becoming, I don't think they're, I think it's becoming easier to move between technologies. In a lot of ways, that means that it will, there, there will probably be some like underlying thing that's sort of unified. Like a lot of people think that JavaScript will become the next assembly and that you will just be building everything on top of it. Uh, but that doesn't mean you'll actually be writing JavaScript. Yeah. Like you're not, like hardly anyone writes assembly. Um, so if that happens, then nothing will really win. It'll just sort of continue along the way it is now where you have different small niches of people like doing uh, their own thing. Uh, but I feel like that might mean it's like easier to sort of move between things because the, uh, the, you're not building on the entire stack anymore. You're yeah. just sort of building on this sort of abstraction above it. That's interesting. I guess, yeah, the answer people want is like, oh yeah, do react. That's going to win or like, like that do angular that, I mean, next year, who knows what's going to be there. I, I don't currently see anything that's going to replace like the current frameworks that are out there right now. Um, but like everything at every like month or so, there's sort of a new uh, framework that's like better than the existing ones. It just doesn't have a whole lot of traction. Yeah. That, that is pretty true. Yeah. Um, cause, cause react was out for quite a few years. Oh, it was the concept of it was out quite a few years and then it was being used in production apps for, like years before it got big, like last year. Right. Yeah. So, and like, there's uh, there's something called like cycle that's that's kind of like similar to React a little ways, but it's like it's built around uh, like re reactive streams of data, uh, which is sort of really really cool and like a cool idea. Um, I don't know if it has enough benefit to like go bet on that rather than the one that's owned by Facebook that they're yeah. using. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like what will happen is like uh, React is still so small that they could like incorporate those ideas into it. And a lot of people do like have built sort of uh, a React app that incorporates these sort of like reactive streams of data based on the cycle framework. Yeah. And a lot of people have started writing things like a, uh, writing how do i write my react app like an lmap or something like that it's like uh there's actually a couple talks from react comp this week on somebody just demonstrating that how to, how they like structure the react app like an lmap or how they did it like a cycle app and uh it's sort of interesting how the the fact that it's a bunch of small pieces means that you can sort of just stick them together in a different way I think there will be different technologies that solve different problems. Yeah. Uh, I think like you you mentioned Elm. So I think like, I think you, you might be onto something as far as like people building on top of like the abstraction of JavaScript to do certain things and like talk to the web that way. And then like Elm is like a, a really interesting example of how they have like a compiler to, you don't have to worry about runtime errors anymore and all the, the different things that everybody hates about JavaScript. Um, you don't have to worry about because the, the stuff is compiling, it's type safe, um, it's got all the great things that all the old languages had. Yeah, yeah. And this this idea is also covered pretty well in Gary Bernhardt's excellent talk, the, the birth and death of JavaScript, 
uh, which is a great title and a great talk. Uh, yeah. And yeah, this sort of idea that you'll still be writing JavaScript everywhere, but you also won't be in the same time that it's just sort of behind the scenes doing the, doing the grunt work because it's, because it is ubiquitous. So I'm going to ask another question, uh, which will be my final question. How do you stay up to date on like all the things that we've just talked about and like the staying up to date on like the new frameworks, new languages, make sure you're fresh. Like what do you do personally? Yeah. Um, so I guess there's like, it starts with sort of discovery and Twitter's good for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a few like mailing lists like JS weekly or JavaScript weekly and node weekly and Ruby weekly, uh, HTML five weekly. This is a whole series of them. Yeah. Uh, it's just sort of like a weekly roll up of, of sort of new things that are out there. Uh, when, when something's sort of like interesting, it's good to, uh, just build some side project in it. Yeah. Uh, like I always have like sort of like the one project that I rebuild every time. That's like a, like a sort of a Netflix clone that's built on top of the movie DB API. It's like a free, like JSON API that has like sort of user accounts and stuff. It's good to have like, like that, like one sort of project that you can rebuild every time. One lesson I've learned though, is that um, don't try to learn too many things at once uh for a project like just focus on one piece of it yeah otherwise you just get completely bogged down in doing it learning everything and also uh don't do this if you actually want to release that project (laughs) because it's you'll just spend so much time like like learning uh focusing on like the the tech and the technology that you never like uh buckle down and like actually have something done yeah exactly yeah i've done that quite a few times i learned my my app I learned Ember, Ember actually I use two apps to learn Ember on and both of them are sitting in a repo on GitHub, yeah. just not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. and um, I, I guess Ember is a good choice for this because uh, it is just the sort of like one thing. Yeah, um, it, it's got the same thing that you would get in Rails, where it's like one way to do it, and you've got generators to get your get yourself to there, so you yeah. don't have to like. Like the whole Redux and Flux and McFly yeah. conversation doesn't I, even happen. I, yeah, exactly. And I do, uh, I do like that aspect of it uh, a lot. Like if you have a that particular type of product problem where I have a, I'm building a single page web app and I want it to behave like an app. Uh, yeah. It's just like a front end. Then uh, it's really good at sort of solving that problem. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, like your problem is more complicated than that, and then like. I mean, that's the situation I always got into when I looked at it is I, it's like, how do I plug this into an existing sort of app or something like that? And yeah. it was just like never a good answer for it. No, yeah. With Ember, you'd have to kind of start over or you'd have to get structure exactly. your, at least your API enough to like put that on top of your existing yeah. API of your app. So yeah, that was, that was one thing we had issues with in my last job. We wanted to jump on the Ember train. Yeah. But it was like too much work to clean up our app to get exactly. to that point, so we just never got there. Yeah, yeah, and that that actually, uh, when we uh, picked Angular at Block, like we were looking at Ember, and uh, we ended up not going with it because like the uh, sort of data layer for it wasn't quite ready. Yeah, that would, uh, it would have been pretty early on at yeah, that time. Yeah, and um, and then after that, it was just like sort of too late to transition like because it's just already so much written and 
there's no way to like gradually do it. Yeah, that seems to be the story of Ember, at least for here, because we, I think I meant either you or me, me mentioned Ember for the thing we're working on today, but then the problem was server side rendering. Mm. So like Ember has fast boot now. Yeah. And it was like announced like two weeks after we already started this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that seems to be the story of Ember, yeah, at least in my experience. I guess, I guess that's sort of like the the benefit of how sort of React was developed and that it was just sort of solving a very simple problem of abstracting DOM. Yeah. Uh, that 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 allowed them to sort of just uh, tackle this this other problem of like, oh, how do I render the same view si- client-side or server-side? And it was just like really easy for them to do that. And Ember has been working on like Fastboot for a long time. Yeah, I guess they, almost like nine months, 10 months. Right. And I, I guess maybe, I don't I don't know if this is if this is true, but it might be like just a drawback of the uh, all-in-one framework is that it's harder to react to new uh, technological demands like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Meteor is feeling that same pain. Right. And that's why they're kind of opening well, it why up. Why they're all switch, switching the entire thing to react. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I feel like Ember is like coming from a different, like the entire different end of the spectrum than React. Like React is all piecemeal. Like it solved the one problem, which was like um, virtual DOM. And then everything else came along later. But if you didn't like what they did, you feel free to make your own. And it was like easy for people to just to clone out these flux implementations to make everything all confusing. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that came out from from them not actually making their own implementation. They just sort of like, Oh, I didn't realize they, that. They made a. They described the pattern and uh, said, "Go, go nuts, guys!" <laughs> and everyone made their own. And in a lot of ways, that was sort of uh, it was the painful part of that is it made it hard to like start new projects because you had to like look at this whole field of implementations that were all different. But in a lot of ways, it, it made this sort of like uh, experimentation chamber where like all these sort of like different ideas and different approaches were happening at once. That's one way to advance your technology for sure. Getting more multiple people, like hundreds of people attacking the same problem. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, I think um, Dan Abramov, the creator of Redux said like the the best lesson is to learn patterns, not frameworks because frameworks come and go. And that if you understand the pattern, then you can pick up the next framework quickly or just make your own. And then, uh, yeah. And you, you, you become much stronger for that. Yeah. Which is very true. And I think the, the pattern of Redux is you see it other places too. Like you hear the concepts over and over again now, which yeah. is interesting. Cause like, it wasn't like that, like a year and a half ago, a year ago. Yeah. So now you have like Elm, which is like taking concepts from Redux. Oh no, it's the other way. Other like, way around. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so like Redux came about because uh, Elm, Elm, Elm like was built this way, and then uh, this was one of those cases where like, oh, I wonder if you could do that in JavaScript, uh, and then like that's sort of like how Redux. Uh, yeah, the, the Elm was like the inspiration for Redux. Interesting. Um, yeah, that language is Elm really like intrigues me, just yeah. the way it came up and how this this. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to uh, go through that tutorial. I get put it in the show notes. Or <laughs> yeah, I'll put it put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's like called like Elm Nash tutor- tutorial. But uh, reading through that, you like sort of understand exactly how 
uh, why Redux is is the way it is, and it, it makes it makes a whole lot of sense when you have things like uh, like type safety and yeah. and like these sort of like streams of data that it's using, and like the whole the whole app is just like a a stream of data that gets converted into DOM at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's really cool, and it's always uh, yeah. I've got like way too many projects that I'm I might go into the the block SVP course. Mm-hmm. I'm also building this side chat client that I'm still working on. I just added a linter this morning, which is good. So that way, it's one more step to opening up to all the everybody else in the company. Yeah, and then I've got all these other things. Elm is another thing I'm going through. But yeah, it's just like so much stuff going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Elm, Elm's one of those projects. Like if you even if you never use it, it's like. It's fun to learn just to like introduce yourself to like functional programming concepts. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the first time I've actually jumped into functional full like feet first. Yeah. If I would just like read about it, but I never really like, I guess I've implemented it like in my code, but not really like really understanding it at all. Just making sure I don't use uh, variables that get reset later on. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a, a different way of, of thinking. And it's, it, it's one of those things that like, before you learn it, it's almost impossible to read. It's like it's sort of like learning how to program the first time, but like after doing it, you sort of don't want to write it the other way at all. It's like you almost like want to like say like, "Oh, you guys just you should, you should just learn this this way." <laughs> so I, I know this is making the code less readable if you don't know how to do functional programming, but it's like you should learn it anyway because it'll be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's also like, it's almost a cult. It's not a cultish. It's like a cult uh, functional programming. It seemed like it was always like these people that were always like trying to beat it over your head. Like I literally learned Ruby and then like I didn't learn Ruby. Like within a week of deciding to learn Ruby, I started going to the Ruby um, meetup locally. And all the guys were like the rage is like, oh, you should learn Mongo. You should learn functional program. Well, Mongo's not functional yeah, programming, yeah. but you should learn like all these different things. And one of the yeah. things was like functional programming. And it like, was just like, oh, I guess I need to learn this, but never got around to it because I realized I didn't. It's like, that. yes, uh, the, sh- the should word is a, uh, is a tough word. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yes, you probably should learn it because it's good to learn, but there's nothing it's not not knowing it isn't holding you back probably yeah. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah it's like it's it's not not making you not be able to do your job it's just a it's just another tool that, yeah. that's uh good to have and that is good at solving a certain set of problems yeah that's that's very true and it's uh it's probably some pretty good advice for definitely for the listeners of the podcast they gear more towards the beginner side yeah. um that i've been interacted with so i think that's a good good knowledge for them and definitely, like, yeah, like when you're learning these things, don't uh, learn too many things at once. Like, like I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna learn functional programming and React and uh, immutability and immutable JS and like all these things like in one project and ES6. Like, it's it's uh, so like sort of a recipe for failure. And it's just like just pick one, yeah, use that, and then at some point you'll like you'll feel the pain of certain problems and uh those other technologies you want to learn will like just make way more sense yeah and i think that's a that's a good note for us to stop on this is uh we're going a little over my my mental time limit but uh christian thanks like thank you for having me 
Yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, especially last minute. I figured it's going to be your last week. Maybe we can get a, I can test out my first in-person interview. Um, for those people who are listening to this at home, Christian's actually in the same room as me. So uh, audio, it might be a little different than normal, but uh, I needed to try this out for at least once. Yeah, I can, yeah. And we can stare in each other's eyes. But yeah, cool. Um, definitely, I would love to, you know, keep in touch. Obviously, I work in the city and you work in the city. You will be working in the city next yep. week. And uh, maybe you can come on the podcast in the future and talk about some of the cool things you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Your new job. So, yeah. So signing off. And uh, again, thanks again. Thank you. Bye. So that was it. Another interview in the can, is I guess what they say on radio. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, you guys are enjoying this. If you are, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever you use as your podcasting choice. Or if not, leave a comment on the actual website. This developing story that link um, is it's enabled with comments, but I don't get any. So if you want to say how much you love it or how much you don't like something about me, um, share it there. All right, that's it.